Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Kennard Levy Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God, a biblical instructional program. This program has been on the air uh, for quite a long time here, since uh, the latter part of 2007. I have almost over 300 programs. I think I'm at 289 now. And so please um, make good use of the audio archives that I have that you can access 24-7 on your smartphone or on your desktop PC. Well, today is going to be an interesting Bible study. I've analyzed this scripture for years, in Daniel 8, verse 23, and I believe, matter of fact, I know Yah or God is giving me better understanding of this scripture now in light of what's going on in the world, in particular the homosexuality, fanaticism. Anyway, let's turn to Daniel chapter 8, verse 23. Daniel chapter 8, verse 23. I'm going to read this in the King James, and then we're going to analyze the scripture a little more so we can understand it. And in the latter, actually, let's get the, the backdrop or the background here. This is talking about the kingdom of Greece, which has been very influential as far as Western civilization is concerned. But anyway, in verse 21 of Daniel chapter 8, And the rough goat is the king of Grecia, and the great hornet is between his eyes is the first king. And so we, we understand who that first king was, um, Alexander the Great. Verse 22, now that being broken, whereas four stood up, four kingdoms shall stand out of the nation, but not in his power. And that actually did happen in history. Uh, every historian who is a historian understands that. Uh, Daniel 8, verse 23. Now, here's the key scripture in this Bible study today. And in a latter time, that means the end of their kingdom, of, might as well say, Western civilization. When the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. Okay, so let's analyze this scripture uh, using certain study aids. Now, transgressors, what does that mean? That means to rebel. Now, I've looked this scripture up uh, using Strong's, and what I'm going to do here, uh, the Strong's number is H6586, I have a uh, computer tool that I use to um, type in certain words that uh, has been used 
And what this tool can do for you is show you every case that this Hebrew word was used originally. And it's interesting because the translators does not translate it transgressor all the time. And so it gives you um, some deeper insight on what this word means. This word can also mean rebel, revolt, um, see, transgress. And so it gives you <clears throat> a better understanding of, of what this word means. So it can mean rebellion. So that word really means rebellion, and that's what uh, Strong says here, to break away, to trespass, apostatize, quarrel. And so when all this quarreling or rebellion comes to a full, and that word means complete, complete, or whole. So there's going to come a time in the end times where there's going to be so much sin that it's going to come to a full. It's it's, It's like filling up a cup of water. And when that happens, that's going to be it. The, the tribulation will begin. Now, I don't know exactly when that's going to happen, but certainly uh, homosexuality and what it represents is certainly a key to understanding that we're very uh, near the coming of the Messiah, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to explain that here in a minute. Okay, so... We understand that that transgressors coming to the full means the rebellion, the revolt is coming to a full. And what are we revolting against? Well, let's turn to Second Thessalonians two verse three. Second Thessalonians two verse three. I'm understanding this scripture a lot better now, and you know Paul stated it perfectly about prophecy. I think it's the First Corinthians chapter fourteen. It's, it's it's a very difficult topic to understand in the Bible, and more often than not, you have to experience certain world events to, to fully understand the prophecies. And Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3, it says, Let no man deceive you or trick you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Now, if you type in the, uh, the Greek word for this or the uh, Strong's for this, is G46, G as in GOAT 646. I'm going to do that right now. And I'm using a, a free Bible tool called eSword, and I s- certainly recommend you get it. This Greek word, which is apostasia, okay, apostasia, and it means defection from the truth. And so when I type in this Greek word in the concordance, uh, it, it only occurs two times in the entire New Testament. In Second Thessalonians two verse three, where it says falling a falling away, and also in Acts twenty one verse twenty one, which is pretty interesting. Let me read this scripture, and it says, "And they are informed of thee that thou teach all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses." So let me stop there. Forsake that same Greek word is used for to forsake Moses, which is pretty interesting here saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. So when we understand this, Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away, or a rebellion, or a forsaking. And really, 
you can say that this certainly is a forsaking of Moses. Because Moses wrote that, what did he write in Leviticus? Remember, he wrote the first five books. He wrote that homosexuality is an abomination. Very significant what I'm telling you here. I hope you're paying attention. All right? <laughs> in Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3, it says there's a falling away. The only other time that word is used is in the context of forsaking Moses. Well, we know uh, what God did uh, in the actual area of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I've been challenged many times, well, not many times, but a few times, with people saying, well, that's what about the other sins of Sodom? Well, true, there's other sins of Sodom. But let's go over what happened again. Let's pay attention to what the Bible tells you ladies and gentlemen, and what Christ told you about these times. He stated in, well, first, let me read what, what the Messiah said in Luke 17, verse 26 to 32, so we understand this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is serious. This is so serious that I've got to give a program on this, and I'm hoping that God uses this program to wake people up. We need to be woken up to what's going on here, and this is what's going on, ladies and gentlemen. Either way, still going to have issues if they rule that same-sex marriage is legal in every state there's going to be problems if they don't rule there's going to be problems because you're going to have gay people protesting so either way it's going to be an issue all right so luke 17 verse 26 as it was in the days of noah so also shall it be also in the days of the son of man noah for noah Verse 27, they did eat, they drank. In other words, they carried on with their lives. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. Verse 29, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Now keep in mind, he's telling you that his second coming will be similar to the days of Noah and Lot, which were similar. All right, so verse 30 says, Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Verse 31, In that day he which shall be upon a housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down and take it away. He that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Now this is the same verbiage almost that is used to describe the tribulation in Matthew chapter 24 verse 17 let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house verse 18 of Matthew 24 neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes and verse 19 and woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days in other words women that are pregnant there's going to be some issues for you verse 20 but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter neither on the Shabbat or the Sabbath day, which means that there will be people keeping the Sabbath in these end times. Verse 20, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, at this time known, nor ever shall be. So he's linking the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah with the beginning of the tribulation. Let me repeat that again. He's linking. He is linking. The great master, Yeshua, Jesus, is linking the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what led to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, what did God see? What did God see there? And in verse 32, he says, remember Lot's wife for a reason. So she turned back when she uh, should have went forward to forget the sins of Sodom, and she didn't. So this is a subliminal 
symbolic message to us all. Let's not remember the sins of Sodom. Which, for those who don't know what the sins of Sodom are, look at Ezekiel 16, verse 49 to 50. The sins of Sodom is, in no particular order, but I'm going to put it in order anyway, failure to adequately help and care for the poor. Being stingy. Not wanting to help the poor. Uh, and not only wanting to help the poor, but just being stingy in general. Number two, having arrogance or pride. Because only by pride comes contention. That's in Proverbs 13, verse 10. Eating too much. Abundance of laziness and sexual perversion, which homosexuality has a lot to do with that. And all the other abominations that are listed in Leviticus chapter 18, which Moses wrote. We're forsaking Moses, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're doing. All right, so turn to Genesis chapter uh, 18 to understand what, what, what I'm trying to say here. Genesis chapter 18, verses 20 to 21 states plainly and the Lord said because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous interesting that he says sin is very grievous verse 21 I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which is coming to me and if not I will know and so God he's hearing this he wanted to see it for himself and so that's what he did in verse 22, and then the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And then, of course, he asked them to the point where he said, he promised Abraham if there were ten righteous people, which uh, is interesting because that symbolizes a uh, a, uh, a congregation, a minyan, basically, uh, in Judaism. He said that if there were ten people, and then also it, it kind of alludes to the prophecy about the ten versions, the ten. So ten is a good symbolic um, reference of a good group of people. So anyway, he said that if there were ten righteous people in the city, he would spare the city. But we know that there were not ten righteous people in the city, ladies and gentlemen. Now, keep in mind, this is in the context of the sins of failure to adequately help and care for the poor, or being stingy, being arrogant, eating too much, abundance of laziness and sexual perversion. All these sins are revealed again in Ezekiel 16, verse 49 to 50. All right, but let's go to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19, verse 5 to 13. What does it say? Let's read it. And they called it to Lot. These scriptures have been argued and fussed upon I don't know how many years, but you can argue and fuss all you want. It's pretty clear what it's saying here. Genesis 19, verse 5. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. That word know means sexually know them. How do I know? Well, let's continue and let the Bible interpret itself. Verse 6. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. And verse 7. And said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. So he suspected already that they were going to do something wickedly. I wonder why. Let's continue on reading this. Verse 8. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do you to them as good in your eyes. So obviously we know this is a sexual act that they were thinking about. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And so they got offended by that. And Lot did not sin, but he offended them, though. 
because you can't offend somebody and not sin. Verse 9, and they said, stand back. And they said, again, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs to be a judge. Now, we will deal. I hear this a lot. Oh, you're judging me. Ah, because I'm trying to correct them, you know. But anyway, now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man Lot and came near to break the door. Verse 10, but the men put forth. This, they were so sexually lust in a lust that they wanted to break the door down to just force these men who were angels to have sex with them. Anyway, verse 10. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And men, and the men said unto Lot, Hast thou there any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, let's let the Word of God speak to us. What event caused God to decide to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Homosexuality, ladies and gentlemen. You can fuss and argue all you want. That's what was the event that caused God to go ahead and decide to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. That is totally scriptural. You can challenge God all you want. You're going to lose. Uh, Luke chapter 17 Starting in verse, um, I just want to read something to you here. In verse 29, and this is in the context of what I just read. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom and rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. What caused this did God see to have the angels decide to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? It was the homosexuality, ladies and gentlemen. That, that, that is what the Bible is telling you. That's what God is telling you. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And so the gauge toward the start of the tribulation is our propensity or our uh, looseness in the area of homosexuality. Uh, as that increases, as same-sex marriage, as, as more acceptance of that abomination increases, the, the time for the start of the, uh, the tribulation will, will draw nearer. Ladies, let me repeat this again. Let me underscore. As the worldwide acceptance of homosexuality continues to uh, grow, the start of the tribulation will draw nearer, ladies and gentlemen, based the obvious scriptural revelation of that. So that's that's a, that's some major understanding that I am starting. Well, actually, I've known this, but not in the way that I know it now in light of Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3. And Daniel 8, verse 23. And Jude, chapter 1. Jude, chapter 1. Jude, chapter 1. Verse 6 to 7. And it says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he has reserved an everlasting change under darkness until the judgment of the great day. Verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them in like manner. So, of course, what the angels did, it, it appears this has something to do with sexual abomination, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, set forth as an example. And so Sodom and Gomorrah is an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And so, explain to you, ladies and gentlemen, Sodom and Gomorrah, what happened there, is an example for all of us to avoid those main sins that I told you.
Because if we don't, we risk destruction as the people in Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed physically. And and not only them, but also the entire land, as the Bible states uh, in Leviticus, which was written by Moses. Le- Leviticus, chapter 18. And right now we're forsaking Moses in the worst way. Leviticus, chapter 18, verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Verse 23. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therein, neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down therein. It is a confusion, and, and we are doing both abominations in this country right now. Verse 24, as I speak, Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these things the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. Verse 25, And the land is defiled, or in a state of decay. Therefore I do visit the iniquity there, as he did with Sodom and Gomorrah. He's going to do to this country, or any other country, that does this, this abominable sin, and the land itself vomit out of inhabitants, just like he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 26, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourn among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled. Again, this was written by the great prophet Moses under the inspiration of the Ruach HaKadish of the Holy Spirit, verse 28, that the land spew you not out also when you defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before you. And for whatsoever shall commit any, or whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from their people. Verse 30, therefore shall you keep my ordinance that you commit not any of these abominable customs, which were committed before you, and that you defile not yourself. There and I am the Lord your God. So God is prophesying here, using Moses to write this, to tell us that we continue on with this abomination of accepting gayness in this country or anywhere around the world. That land will be destroyed. That's what he's telling you. He's, that this land will be destroyed. I don't know how. He's going to do it, but I'm telling you scripturally, that's what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. And so we better get serious. Someone needs to write the president. I mean, uh, what's his name? forgot his name. Uh, going around talking to Congress. I hope he's having a chance to talk to the president to warn him of the destruction that will come to this country if we continue on with this. Second Peter, chapter two, verse one. I'm going to read this in the new, in the New American Standard Bible version. But false prophets also shall rise among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Verse two. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So in the context of accepting homosexuality, you have false teaching. Verse 4, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell or in a state of uh, a spiritual prison, and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, verse 5, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, 
when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. In verse 6, and if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives. Well, again, what are the sins of Sodom? I'm going to hammer this. The sins of Sodom is the failure to adequately help and care for the poor, being stingy, being prideful, because only by pride comes contention in Proverbs 13, verse 10, eating too much, abundance of laziness, and sexual perversion. That is all the sins of Sodom, ladies and gentlemen, which this country, unfortunately, is guilty of. All right. In verse 7, and if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man while living among them felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. If you don't feel that way, and he's called righteous, righteousness is Psalm 119, 172, keeping the commandments. If you don't feel uh, tormented by this, there's something wrong with you. I know I do. It's despicable. Verse 9. What's going on in this country and, and what we're leading to? Verse 9, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially for those who indulge the flesh and corrupt desires and despise authority. So, you know, you know when, when you do this abomination, you despise authority, and that's what's going on right now. We are despising the ultimate authority, God himself. That's what we're doing. Daring, self-will, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties or authorities. You know, and, and, and this is just ridiculous what's going on, ladies and gentlemen. We have got to repent. We've got to repent. And there, there's a chance for us to repent. But we have to repent. Final scriptures here in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2. It says, listen, O heavens and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me, rebelled, rebelled. Verse 3, an ox knows his owner, and a donkey is master's image, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. And that's true. The people right now, most people in this country don't understand that they are part of Israel. They don't understand that they are part of the ten tribes of Israel. If you don't believe that, go to www.britam.org and enlighten yourself. and, and and really be teachable. Verse 4, a lie, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, son who act, sons who act corrupted, corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. Verse 5, where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick. And the whole heart is faint. Verse 6, from the sole of the foot, even to the head, there's nothing sound in it. Only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, not softened with oil, which means that we should be using essential oils instead of the pharmacy that we use today for medicine. Verse 10, your land is desolate, your cities are burned with fire. This is what it's going to lead to. Your fields, strangers are devouring them in your presence. It is desolation thrown by strangers the daughter of zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field like a besieged city verse 9 unless the lord of hosts had left us a few survivors we would be like sodom we would be like gomorrah 
Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. He's calling our people that today. He's calling our people that today. And over in verse 15, he states, So when you spread your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered in blood. I'm going to talk a little bit more um, probably about 15 more minutes, so I'm going to be going off the air soon in the next uh, 54 seconds. You could uh, listen to the rest of the program in its entirety. I would estimate in about 30, probably around 10 o'clock to 10.30. But I I don't want to shrink this message down. This is an important message. I have to get it out. And I hope that it's circulated to as many people as possible. And so that they are moved to repent because this is a very, very serious time right now, ladies and gentlemen, and we must uh, take this seriously. Um, When we are on the verge of making the most abominable ruling in the history of this country, even worse than the ruling of Roe versus Wade that allowed abortions. Shalom. Peace. Okay, um, I'm going to be uh, speaking now on the recording, and then, of course, uh, you'll be able to uh, listen to this message in its entirety. Recorded session now. So let's continue on with Isaiah chapter 1. Verse uh, 15, I already read it. And verse 16, wash yourselves, which is symbolic of immersion or being baptized. Make yourself clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. This is all talked about as having pure worship or religion. In James 1 verse 27. In verse 18 of Isaiah chapter 1, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so it's just sad that our country is getting to where it's getting right now. In Isaiah chapter 3, reading this in the New American Standard Bible version. For behold, the Lord God of hosts is going to remove from Jerusalem and Judah. Remember now, when it states Jerusalem and Judah, uh, that can also refer to all the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, which the United States and the British Commonwealth of Nations are a part of. Both supply and support, the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water. In other words, the ability to take care of yourself is going to be taken away. Verse 2, the mighty man and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50, an honorable man, the counselor and the expert, um, and a skillful enchanter, the expert artisan. Verse 4, and I will make mere laster princes and children will rule over them. And the people will be oppressed, each one by another, and each one by his neighbor. The youth will storm against the elder, and the inferior against the honorable. Verse 6, when a man lays hold of his brother in his father's house, 
saying, you have a cloak, you shall be our ruler, and these rooms will be under your charge. So it's going to be socioeconomic chaos, as is revealed in Revelation chapter 6. Uh, hold your place here. Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. Verse 5, when he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand, which is talking about economics. Verse 6, And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures, saying, A quart of wheat for Daenerys, and three quarts of barley for Daenerys, and do not damage the oil or the wine. And so, there's a good commentary about this uh, in the Jewish New Testament commentary. It states here, Revelation 6, verse 1 to 8, The breaking of the first four seals releases the four horsemen of the apocalypse who represent respectively, number one, war. It's the first horse. War in its aspect of subjecting people one to another. Also, it represents deception. Two, war in its aspect of hate between nations and individuals. Three, an equitable economic distribution or less likely general scarcity of goods. And number four, the death which results from the first three, war, wild animals, equals hate, famine, inequitable distribution, and from disease, plagues. And it says this section is apparently related to Leviticus 16, verse 14 to 26, and Ezekiel 14, verse 12 to 20, which speak of similar judgments. Okay, so, economic instability, and that's where we're going. That's what uh, many people are saying now, not many people, but a few. And so, in verse 7, he will protest in the day, I will be your healer, for in my house there is neither bread nor cloak. You should not appoint me ruler of the people. So it's going to be economic destruction, socioeconomic destruction. Verse 8, for Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because their speech and their actions. Remember, Jerusalem was the capital city of the tribes. And, and it still is. And, and their actions are against the Lord to rebel against his glorious presence. To rebel means you knew to do right, but you're rebelling against it. Verse 9, the expression of their faces bears witness against them, and they display their sin like Sodom. They do not even conceal it. Now, what are the sins of Sodom? Again, the sins of Sodom, which we are not ashamed of at all, collectively as a nation. Failure to adequately help and care for the poor. I noticed to be so. I looked at a YouTube video. Um, it had someone, a little child, shivering in the cold and most people just passed by, didn't even care. Uh, pride or arrogance, eating too much, abundance of laziness, sexual perversion. That's the sins of Sodom. And these are the sins that God says that we're not ashamed of. We're not ashamed of those sins. When a man lays hold of his brother, on verse 7, he will protest in a day. Or verse 8, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 3. For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because their speech and their actions are against the Lord to rebel against his glorious presence. So their speech and their actions, of course, those actions are what I just named you because this is in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 9, the expression of their faces bears witness against them and they display their sin like Sodom. They do not even conceal it. We don't conceal any of those sins that I mentioned to you. We certainly don't conceal the sins of obesity, do we? <laughs> How can we? We're so fat, right, as a nation. Woe to them, for they have brought evil upon themselves, and we certainly don't uh, conceal gay the gayness, right? Gay pride, and we, we march in the streets. Uh, this is Gay Pride Month. Verse 10, say to the righteous that it will go well with them, for they will eat the fruit of their actions. Verse 11, woe to the wicked. It will go badly with, with him, for what he deserves will be done to him. Verse 12, oh, my people, their oppressors are, are, their ch are children, and women rule over them. Here we are having Hillary Clinton and, the, and another woman running for president. 
O my people, those who guide you will lead you astray, or lead you astray and confuse the direction of your paths. The Lord arises to contend and stands to judge the people. Verse 14, the Lord enters into judgment with the elders and princes of his people. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. And when he says elders, it's talking about the men. He enters into judgment with the men. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. Here we go again with one of the sins of Sodom. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. Verse 15, what do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the face of the poor? declares the Lord God of hosts. And we do that right now according to Feeding America. Let me go there. Feeding America. We, you know, there, there's there's quite a few people. Said, let me read this. It says, Feeding America is a United States-based nonprofit organization as a nationwide network of food banks that feeds more than 46 million people. So 46 million people have to depend on the food pantries, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately. That should not be so in the richest country in the world. And yet we talk about how righteous we are. And we brag about it too, don't we? American pride. Um, In verse 15 of Isaiah chapter 3, it says, What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the face of the poor, declares the Lord God of hosts. Verse 16, moreover, the Lord said, because the daughters of Zion are proud. Here we go again with another sin of Sodom. Being arrogant and walk with heads high and seductive eyes and go along with mincing steps and tinkle the bangles on the feet. This is a 21st century vision, the modern American woman, ladies and gentlemen, truly. Verse 17, therefore, the Lord will afflict the scalp or the women in Western uh, civilization. Therefore, the Lord will afflict the scalp of the daughters of Zion with scabs, and the Lord will make their foreheads bare. Verse 18, in that day, the Lord will take away the beauty of the anklets, the headbands, the crescent ornaments, the dangling earrings, bracelets, veils, headdresses, ankle chains, sashes, perfume boxes, amulets, finger rings, nose rings, festive robes, outer tunics, cloaks, money purses, hand mirrors. It's like God was looking into the 21st century. Undergarments, turbans, and veils. Now it will come about that instead of sweet perfume, there will be putrefaction. Instead of a belt, a rope. Instead of well-set hair, a plucked-out scalp. Instead of fine clothes, a dunning of sackcloth. And branding instead of beauty. Your men will fall by the sword and your mighty ones in battle. And her gates will lament and mourn, and deserted she will sit on the ground. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a sad, sad event. So, let me, uh, there's a different word that I want to use today, King James word. It means stink. Isaiah 3, verse 24. In place of perfume, there will be stink. There will be stink. And so, actually, uh, the new American Standard Bible version used that. Putrefaction. <laughs> what a word. <laughs> Putre, it's putrefaction. So, and that means stink. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it's a sad case of events that's going on in this country. And we need to we need to repent. 
We need to repent. And we need to, to come back to God. And in closing, I'm going to quote from, I, did, I quoted from this book um, a couple of weeks ago. I gave a program. I decided to change the title. And so this program really is an, a modification of that previous program. And I'm going to lead this program in the archives. It's called America's God and Country. It's an encyclopedia of quotations uh, done by William J. Federer on page 388. Actually, this is a quote from President Lincoln. I want to quote from page 26, a quote from Fisher Ames, which suggested the wording of the First Amendment, which was adopted by the House, where it says Congress, Congress shall make no law establishing religion or to prevent the free exercise thereof or to infringe the rights of conscience. And so on page 26, it states here, on September 20th, 1789, an article published in a magazine, uh, Fisher Ames stated, we have a dangerous trend beginning to take place in our education. We're starting to put more and more textbooks into our schools. Now, keep in mind, this was in the latter part of the 18th century, September 20th, 1789. We've become accustomed of later putting little books into the hands of children, containing fables and moral lessons. We are spending less time in the classroom on the Bible, which should be the principal text in our schools. The Bible states that these great moral lessons better than any other man-made books, even back in the 18th century. The Bible was being uh, uh, minimized to the point where we can't even we don't we certainly don't have the Bible as an official textbook in schools, and we don't even pray. It's illegal to pray in the classroom. It's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Now, this is a quote from Abraham Lincoln. I didn't quote this. It says he stated here September fifth, eighteen sixty four. He addressed the Committee of Colored People from Baltimore. Of course, uh, that means black people. Uh, Page 388 of this great book. He says, in regard to this great book, he's talking about the Bible, I have but to say, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has given to man. He is so true about that. And I think there's a reason why God had a president named Abraham Lincoln. To drive us back to the Bible. All the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book. But for this book, we could not know right from wrong. That is so true. We could not know right from wrong from this book. All desirable for man's welfare here and hereafter are to be found portrayed in it. So he says, all things most desirable for man's welfare here and hereafter are to be found portrayed in it. To you, I return my most sincere thanks for the eloquent copy of the great book of God which you present. Very, very good quote there. And so here's another quote from a a president that was religious. Ronald Wilson Reagan, the 40th president of the United States, which I think is symbolic. And he said this in 1980, but I really believe that this is certainly this certainly applies to today as well. So listen up to this says, the time has come to turn to God and reassert our trust in him for the healing of America. Our country is in need of and ready for a spiritual renewal. And so it states here, President Ronald Reagan, October 4th, 
1982 as authorized and requested by joint resolution of the 97th Congress of the United States of America, held at the city of Washington designated 1983 as the National Year of the Bible. The resolution, Public Law 97-280, declared, and I'm going to go slow with this, it says, whereas the Bible, the Word of God, has made a unique contribution in shaping the United States as a distinctive and blessed nation and people. Whereas deeply held religious convictions springing from the Holy Scriptures led to the early settlement of our nation. Whereas biblical teachings inspired concepts of civil government that are contained in our Declaration of Independence and Constitution of the United States. Whereas many of our great national leaders, among them Presidents Washington, Jackson, Lincoln, and Wilson, paid tribute to the surpassing influence of the Bible in our country's development as in the words of President Jackson, that the Bible is the rock on which our republic rests. Whereas the history of our nation clearly illustrates the value of voluntarily applying the teachings of the scriptures in the lives of individuals, families, and societies. Let me underscore that because that's very important to understand. Whereas the history of our nation clearly illustrates the value of voluntarily applying the teachings of the scriptures in the lives of individuals, families, and societies. I don't know why I'm getting that uh, audio disturbance there, but please bear with me. Whereas this nation now faces great challenges that will test this nation as it has never been tested before. So true. Whereas that renewing our knowledge of and faith in God through Holy Scripture can strengthen us as a nation. Most of us are biblically illiterate in this country, and we need to do as Reagan says here. Whereas that renewing our knowledge of and faith in God through Holy Scripture can strengthen us as a nation and a people. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America and Congress assembled that the President is authorized and requested to designate 1983 as a national year of the Bible in recognition of both the formative influence the Bible has been for our nation and our national need to study and apply the teachings of the Holy Scriptures. Again, we need to put the Bible back in the classroom, and we need to do what our 40th President of the United States stated here. He says that the Bible has been, he says that in recognition of both, we need to recognize the formative influence the Bible has been for our nation and our national need to study and apply the teachings of the Holy Scriptures. We certainly need to apply the teachings of the Holy Scriptures, ladies and gentlemen. If we don't do that, then this country certainly will be destroyed. Now, I can't tell you how, but I know, based on what I've read to you, that this country will be destroyed, and homosexuality, our propensity to um, continue to allow it, to accept it, our leaders, because leaders influence the followers, then it's certainly going to lead, ladies and gentlemen, to our nation's destruction. And people say, oh, Kandar, you're preaching bad news. Well, somebody has to preach it. Somebody has to preach it, ladies and gentlemen. And so it, 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 it's, it's just... A very serious moment in the history of this great country. We are, as I quoted here 
the scriptures for this program, Malachi 2, verse 17. We're wearing the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. You don't want to do that. And you say, well, where have we wearied him? When you say, everyone that does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in him. And that's what we say with this gay stuff. And then, of course, people challenge him and says, where is the God of judgment? I guarantee you're going to find out soon that there is a God of judgment. Isaiah 5, verse 20. This is what's going on in the context of this homosexuality mess. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. What did Moses call homosexuality? An abomination. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isaiah 5, verse 20. And we certainly are living in the times that, that Timothy, um, that Paul wrote Timothy here, these end times. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. That certainly has uh, something to do with homosexuality. Now, certainly not loving God. They just want to have pleasure. Covetousness. Boasters. Covetous. Boasters. Proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Without natural affection? Is homosexuality natural affection? No. Truth breakers, false accusers, uh, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Pleasures more than lovers of God. That is in the context of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, ladies and gentlemen, with those sins again. What is what are those? What are the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah? Again, failure to adequately help and care for the poor. You 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 want to be like the rich fool? That's described in Leviticus, not Leviticus, but uh, Luke chapter twelve. You want to stock up uh, uh, things and. You don't want to distribute your riches. You just want to keep it all for yourself. Like in verse 18, this, uh, verse 17 of Luke chapter 12, about the rich fool. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Or in today's uh, background environment, financial environment, um, bank account. Verse 18, then he said, this is what I would do. I would tear down my barns and build larger ones or open up other bank accounts. And there I would store all my grain and my goods. And verse 19, and he would say to his soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And verse 20, but God said unto him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is a man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. See that's 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 the problem, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we we have to repent of that. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, or trying to fake religion, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. So he's commanding us to turn away from people to act like this. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with various lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the knowledge of the truth? Psalm 119, 142. The truth is all the instructions, doctrines of God, which is um, translated law. It should be that Hebrew word is Torah, and it means instructions and doctrines of God. And so it's the entire Bible, ladies and gentlemen. We, as a nation, our president, our leaders, have to start studying the Bible like their life depended on it. Because you know what? Their life depends on it, and the life of this nation depends on it. And so we need to, to get into the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, and we need to study it collectively and, and do what it says. If we don't, we're following the road to destruction. 
and I'm going to type in Wikipedia here, uh, get some statistics on same-sex marriage, because I know same-sex marriage right now is, is starting to be accepted more often now than there ever has been. And right now, the legal status of same-sex relationships, according to Wikipedia. Um, right now, they are performed in Argentina, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, Denmark, Finland, France, Iceland, Ireland, Luxembourg, Mexico, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, um, Portugal, South Africa, Spain, Sweden, United Kingdom, England and Wales, Scotland, United States. Uh, there's, I think it's 36 or 37 states right now that uh, is allowing it, unfortunately. And so it's, it's, it's getting to be a big problem, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and it's, it's spreading around the world. And if this if they rule in favor of same-sex marriage, the leader of the world, the United States, is going to be a domino effect. And it's going to affect the rest of the nations of the world. And we have to remember what God did to Sodom. He's he's using that as, as a symbolic uh, to help us understand what's going to lead to the ultimate destruction that is described in the Great Tribulation. Certainly, the acceptance of homosexuality has a lot to do with it. And let me kind of simplify and help you to understand why that's the case. What is man? What did God say man is? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 20 says, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him, male and female he created him. So God's image is a male and a female. And so if you're saying that God's image is two males and two females, that is a great, that is a tremendous affront to God himself. And that is what's going on. The homosexuality is perverting the image of God. And you don't want to do that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's how major this all is. I don't know if you've ever thought of that before. But God describes man as being male and female. So God created man in his image, and the image of God created him. What's the image of God? Male and female. And so gay people are, in effect, are saying that the image of God is two males and two females. Pleasure in, it, in something that is an image of him. You are perverting the image of God himself. And he is not going to tolerate that. And for you to think he's going to tolerate that, you are absolutely not thinking straight. As the Bible predicts, for those who are homosexual, they are not thinking straight. God loves them, and I love them, but he wants you to repent. That, was, that's, that is what he wants you to do, ladies and gentlemen. Keep in mind this pure logic. The fifth commandment tells us to honor our father and our mother. How in the world can we do that if there's two people that marry of the same sex? How can that commandment be filled? It's impossible. Here, 
this is what God states when we we pervert his image. Verse 23, and change the glory to an uncorruptible God into an image made like to a corruptible man and to birds. A corruptible man is certainly a man who's gay. And to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to the uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, as Leviticus 18 states. An homosexual defiles his body. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and his mind, as you're about to see here, through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. And so when gay people say it's okay, then you're perverting God's image into something else that's not of God. Verse 26, for this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into which is against nature. Verse 27, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burning their lusts one toward another, men with men, working which that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was met. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. What does that word reprobate mean? Well, let's take a look here. That's uh, Strong's G96. G96. can mean uh, rejected, a rejected and cast away mind. Of course, uh, Strong states that is an unapproved or rejected or worthless mind. So that's that's what happens when people embrace homosexuality, ladies and gentlemen. And they do those things which are not convenient, being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit. Whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers. Certainly breaking the covenant of Moses in the area of homosexuality, without natural affection, again, without natural affection. Unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So people that know that this is wrong and continue to do it, um, you're, you're, you're walking a tight rope, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so that's my program. I hope that this program is passed on. I'm not looking for money. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not looking for anything like that. I'm just sincerely using the knowledge that God has given me to help you, to save you. And I'm not going to be saving you. The words will save you. God's truth will save you. So put this to use. Pass it on to people. Uh, if you have any other questions or concerns about what I spoke about, please email me at canard at mercifulserviceofgod.com. God willing, I will be available to you next week to give you another program. May God bless and keep you. And again, God willing, I'll be available to present another program next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. 
and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 